Welcome to Everything Life Coaching. I'm John Kim. And I'm Noel Cordeaux. We are the founders of Lumia. And we're super passionate about all things coaching, and we want to share what we've learned from over a decade of coaching and training thousands of life coaches. Let's dive into the science and magic of coaching. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everything Life Coaching. This is Noelle today flying without John, but instead of John, I have an awesome guest. I'm going to be speaking with Danielle Adams Wilshire, one of our coach training instructors and coach extraordinaire, and we're going to get into personal branding and how to defy expectations around what that means. This is what Danielle does with her time outside of Lumia. Danielle, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you. How about yourself? I'm well. I'm well. I'm really excited about this conversation. And one of the reasons that I'm so stoked on it is number one, this is just a fabulous niche that you're into these days. And it's really important to me to pull the the curtain back and show um, our listeners how real people become coaches and what they do in their businesses. So um, give us Give us a preview. Who are you in the world? Goodness, I'm many things. I would say that I am a leadership development coach. I am an instructor with Lumia. And I also am a dog mom. And I'm someone who who really feels passionately about helping people, professionals in particular, to maximize their fullest potential. Awesome. So tell us all about your business. How did you get started? What do you do? How did it happen? Give us the inside scoop. Okay. Now I'm going to tell you the nitty gritty story of how this actually came to be. Yes. Um, <laughs> because, and I tell this in, in, um, in some forms and fashions, but the truth of the matter is I had worked in retail banking for about 13 years with one company and 15 years total but I was still a relatively young professional. And I had the unpleasant experience actually in 2012 of having an unpleasant boss. I'm going to be very frank. And let's just say that this unpleasant boss um, trigger warning was inappropriate on the day that my grandmother passed away. And yeah, yeah. And, and I spent two weeks in Florida preparing, you know, for my grandmother's services and, um, having to explain this story to not many people, but explaining it to my dad mm. in particular. And it was when I said it the second time that he realized that I was serious and, and that like this was really not an exaggeration. And at that time he had a, and a response, you know, a father-like response, a protective dad response. And the the next or following weeks, I just started thinking, okay, that's it. You know what? I don't think I'm where I belong. I don't think that this is where I was intended to be for this long. And I started thinking about it, started planning and, and strategizing and trying to figure out what to do next, but not after a very long period, quite honestly, of being totally disengaged and just absolutely disconnected in a sense from from feeling any way about the company or being happy about the work that I was doing. 
And then as a human resource, I was moved into a department after that where I no longer worked with that boss. So I was not in that situation, but I had fallen out of love with the work that I was tasked with doing. So I was actually doing a job that I disliked, or you could even say that I hated. <laughs> I didn't enjoy it. And I ended up underwriting a piece of business credit for someone who worked for a life coaching company. Ah, so there's so much. There's thank you, first of all, for for your vulnerability um in sharing the real story. And I wanna say I'm sorry that happened. Um, I'm sorry that happened at all. I'm sorry that happens to anyone. I'm sorry that happened right as your grandmother passed. Um, and as you have heard in your line of work, this is, um, an epidemic in our society of bad bosses and managers who have never been trained how to ethically, um, interact with folks. And you're not alone in that experience. Um, certainly not as a woman. And, um, was, was that the first time that you had heard of coaching when you stumbled upon that? And is there anything else you want to debrief about the bad boss kickoff to this whole adventure? It was not the first time that I had experienced coaching to some degree, but coaching became something that. I did not understand correctly um, because working in that type of environment, coaching typically meant having monthly meetings with your supervisor so they could tell you what your goals were, whether or not you met them, check, check, check. And okay, you've been coached, go back to your desk and get back to work. <laughs> so that's not exactly what coaching is in actuality. And then as far as the bad boss part of it, it took me it took me a, a while to be honest I, you know it took me a while to be able to reconcile the the opportunity that that experience presented to me and it goes back to something that that we've also mentioned about storytelling you know and that that was important for me was being able to tell that story and i couldn't do it for a few years while i worked for that organization so Finding a space or creating a space for myself as a coach became a way for me to not only escape an undesirable work environment, but to step into my purpose and start doing things that I actually enjoyed doing. Yeah. So many people who are listening right now are probably saying, oh my God, that's me. Um, and we hear that so much at Lumia when folks first walk through our doors, you know, those early classes, it's so important to give people the space to tell their story and to give people the space to unlearn what they thought coaching was versus what it really is. And thank you for giving us um, a really viable demonstration that you can, with intention and grit, uh, get yourself out of the environment that you don't want to be in and do something completely different. What drew you to coaching? What drew me most to coaching was the, the foundation of being able to take curiosity or take the the stories that you tell or to take some of the the things about the human existence 
that, that are rewarding as they are challenging, taking all of those things and putting it together and having individual experiences. I love connection, right? I love connection. So for me, it was taking all of those things, stirring them into a big old pot, putting some barbecue sauce on it. And, and finally having a place where I felt like I fit without having to fit someone else's definition of success. Mm, I love that. So connection is a beautiful cornerstone of this work. When you first started out, did you have a sense of who you wanted to work with and what that change process would look like for your clients? <laughs> so initially, I thought I wanted to work with who I was working with already in my previous role, in my, in my formal job. So that evolved over time because even though I am still working with those people, I think the way that I wanted to work with them changed significantly. The, the energy of it changed. And I always knew I wanted to work with career professionals because I was essentially working with people like myself. I was in my mind creating this image of the coach that I needed back in 2012 that mm-hmm. I didn't have. And also to, to work with people who are business owners or in leadership roles, whether they realize it or not. Ah, uh, Yes. That is one of life's great mysteries. When you think that you're just trucking along solo and all of a sudden you look around and you're like, how the hell did I become a leader? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it chooses you sometimes. So how did you get started? Did you put out a shingle? Um, how did you source your first couple of clients? What was it like? I did hang out a shingle. So I started my business quietly while I was still working full-time in 2013. And it was for me about creating the the image of it just so I had this visual. So I had chosen some brand colors, right? Because that's what businesses do. Picking out colors and, and picking out um, a print or, or a design, so to speak. So the houndstooth that I use in a lot of my branding and marketing has stuck with me for a very long time. And for some reason, I don't think anybody knows or very few people know that the reason why I use it is because it is an homage to my Boston Terrier that I had at the time. (laughs) And all I did was print business cards with this name and I had no idea what it was. I didn't know what I was doing, but that's how it started. Awesome. So uh, walk us through um, and give us kind of a picture of of where your business is now. What's the same and what's different? Well, I would say that what's highly different is that I know what it is. I know I know who who I am within my business, which is something I never could have said when I first started this thing. And as far as, as even finding clients, that that's something that changed so greatly because it starts off slow. 
it starts slow. I, I'm going to admit that my first few clients might have been slightly strong armed or, or strongly persuaded <laughs> to work with me because they were friends of mine or um, they were someone who had been acquainted with me somehow. And then that evolves. So what that's become today is having people who approach me with opportunities to work with them and and hoping that I have the bandwidth to work with them um, because they have seen something that I posted or they have heard something about me from someone else in terms of a referral or whatever that might be. Somehow the people who need me most seem to find me. Awesome. So uh, in your, in your, business, you wear lots of different hats. And this is something that John and I talk about often. Um, One-on-one client work is absolutely wonderful. Um, My day job is running this organization, but my private practice is super niche. I work with maybe one or two maximum three clients at a time in a one-on-one capacity. What do you do within your organization and what pieces of it really helped you to grow and diversify? I would say that, yes, as a one woman show, it, it can change often. It can change even year to year, depending on the demand. And, and maybe that sounds like an incredibly uh, corporate or business term to say demand is what drives it, but there, there are different requirements for working with individual clients, working with groups, or even the other the other parts of my business that help to provide me with a certain level of exposure, but also doing what I what I enjoy doing. And that's the storytelling piece. And that is something that I balance as as much as I can from year to year because it can even be hard to predict what that's going to be. So recognizing that even though I'm a one woman show, I have a responsibility to look at everything that is on my plate and figure out how do I balance it and how do I prioritize it as well as still delivering the absolute utmost quality in coaching for my clients. Awesome. So, you know, as we're, as we're talking and we're thinking about, you know, something that, um, I think is a question that all coaches come to the table with is, well, how do I signal to my audience, to my potential clients, to people who might want me to engage in storytelling group or one-on-one, how do I signal to them that I'm the person for the job? And I know that personal branding and blowing the doors off of what we thought that was is one of the areas that you help others to excel in. Did you take your own medicine as you were growing? I did. I I had to own the the opportunity to try it before I deny it. I did a lot of uncomfortable things. I did a lot of ugly things. Um, I did a lot of things with bad hair and no makeup. <laughs> Um, and, and that's, that really is the reality of it is sometimes you just have to go out there and do a thing and figure out how that fits for, for what you're trying to create. 
And I've been very fortunate that, yes, even those things have helped me to earn some some visibility with clients or prospective clients. And I've been able to take those contacts and create relationships from them. I think that without building relationships with people, I probably would not be having this conversation with you. Mm. So a contact comes your way and um, what's the next step? The next step is to be yourself. I mean, Really, everyone has their, has their own special something. And I would say that if you take that and you embrace it, embrace what's weird about you, embrace what, what defies people's definition of normal, because normal is typically boring. I, I would say taking those things and, and figuring out what is unique about you that people are attracted to is what's going to continue to attract them to you. Because once you make that contact with someone, you make that, that first, you know, first touch, so to speak, then you're able to deepen that relationship. You can have that meaningful connection. You find out what's important to people and they find out what's important to you. And before you know it, you realize that you're a lot more connected than you even realized before you said hello. Absolutely. Absolutely. I remember when you and I first met, we had so much to talk about and taking that time to deepen the relationship is what gave me the level of trust that I have to be able to say, Danielle, can you do 25 million things for me, please? (laughs) (laughs) I, I, it sounds, um, it sounds so simple, you know, your, your offering of just be yourself. And yet when we're actually in the arena trying to show ourselves, uh, especially in a professional context, it can be really terrifying. Absolutely. Especially when we're not always confident in who we are or how we show up in the world. Yeah. So Talk to us a little bit about how we defy expectations around what personal branding means through the lens of um, of knowing ourselves and being ourselves. Let me start with this. Personal branding is not what people think it is in terms of what you wear and how you look on the outside. Mm. Right. Tell like, me more. I think that bears repeating. Yes, because so many people, I think for such a long time, personal branding or, or image had turned into this thing of, well, this is how to be well dressed, how to be pretty, and how to look the way we want you to look so that we can give you the opportunity. Yeah. Now that is the way that uh, humans are socialized, um, that from when we are little kids, that's part of capitalist consumer messaging, that as long as you look right, opportunities will flow your way. And that is a raft of bullshit. Yes. <laughs> well, Thank you for saying it. <laughs> so, like, and And to your point of thinking about, you know, all of the times when I've showed up with no makeup and bad hair, um, that's actually become a badge of honor for me. 
when I first started out in this space, I was so insecure. Uh, I come from a long history of eating disorders. And when I first started out um, in my role as a CEO, I was told I needed to wear a very specific uniform of like tapered jeans, a blazer, and heels. I don't think I own a pair of heels um, that would fit that description. And one person told me, you know, uh, you're soft-spoken. You should slam binders on tables in meetings so that people will remember you. And all of those messages around construction were so harmful. I was scared to get on camera. I was scared to use my voice. And now it's like, all right, I have 20 minutes until I have to be on camera. I'm not wearing makeup. I may or may not have showered. I've been working you know, since the early morning hours. We're going with it, whatever it is. <laughs> So Absolutely. How do you work with co- with folks on this as a coach? Well, I tell people, okay, listen, this is what our work is. I'm going to coach the f out of you. And when I say that, I mean the feelings and the fears. Mm. And let's just be clear. And that is just so that people understand that it it's not always what they think the goal is, number one, because sometimes the feeling is the goal. And it also is about, okay, so how do we get to the core of what's been holding you back that you don't have this thing already? Yeah. And I relate to that so much. You know, thinking about uh, pretty much all of my blockers, especially around presenting myself, absolutely comes down to feelings and fears, you know, will I be accepted? And, um, as a, as a tenured CEO, one of the most insane experiences that I have is before going into an in-person engagement, wondering, you know, am I going to be pretty enough to pull off whatever the hell it is that I'm saying? And I say it's an insane experience because even though cognitively I know that the power is in my work and in my message and in my organization, I still have this sidecar of shenanigans that pops mm-hmm. up. So mm-hmm. if it's not the way we we look or present and we need to work through those feelings and fears, what's on the other side waiting for us? Absolutely. I mean, my whole thing was all, all I would say every year of my career, from the beginning of my whole career in retail banking, I was hidden. The real me was hidden and I didn't understand it until after I stopped hiding myself. So I was hiding under wigs or hair pieces and I was wearing, you know, I would wear clothes that were my style, but, you know, maybe not as, as comfortable as I would have liked them to be for, for what I had going on. Or I had made it my my mission to conform to what people wanted to see. Now, there were some benefits to that. And that was that it kept me safe, right? So the fear, that fear of of being seen as a stereotype was was also protecting me and keeping me safe on the other side. So my hair was always straight. I always looked like I was neat and well kept and educated and spoke well. And that allowed me to to gain access to parts of a business that I may not have otherwise had. And, and I recognize that more now. Yeah, a hundred percent. And, and that's, um, that's a reality that people face in different 
environments. If we were to take Noelle the human, right now I'm wearing a flannel shirt. I have no makeup on. Uh, my hair is curly and plunk me down into the middle of a boardroom. I might really freak some people out with m- the way that I truly, you know, present. So I, I want to validate that if folks are in a situation where they feel that they have to conform in order to stay safe, that's real and they're not imagining things. Um, and what does it, what is the negative outcome of doing that? What was your experience and where was that opening to change things? That was the beginning of the slippery slope to fast forward, right? To 2012, where now I'm in a situation and suddenly the the curtain was ripped back and I'm going, wait a minute, whoa, I don't like what's behind this curtain. And I've created some version of myself in order to work here in this. And now I'm, I'm replaying my, my choices. And I'm, I'm older and wiser by that point too, right? I'm older and wiser. And I start thinking, huh, you know what? I can make different choices. I have new information, right? So when you have new information, you reserve the right to make a different choice. And I ended up starting to wear my hair more naturally. And I got tattoos that might've been visible during board meetings. Oh, gasp and awe. <laughs> um, you know, things of that nature. I just started to be more of who I was and feeling comfortable with that and introducing people to that version of myself so that they could make a choice as well. Yeah, no, I, I relate so hard to that. There was, um, there were some, the early years of building Lumia as a female CEO with uh, a female team, especially when I was working in Los Angeles, that were were really hard, genuinely hard in for a lot of different reasons. And um, I had kind of a, a a similar attitude to you, uh, take no prisoners. And we used to joke that I was going to get a face tattoo that said, make money, not friends, and just roll into meetings, you know, just, <laughs> just to <laughs> shake it up a little bit. Um, but I, 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 I totally hear you. So um, if, if I'm understanding correctly, what awaits on the other side of the door towards true self-actualization is freedom. And a sense of living in your body and your mind without having that sidecar of having to maintain something that isn't authentic. I would say that is on the nose because the the freedom part of it, um, you know, the freedom is you can't you can't compare it. You cannot compare it because you're not carrying the weight of other people's often unreasonable expectations. It doesn't mean you can't do your job well. It doesn't mean that you can't be a a fantastic coach or a successful coach. I mean, ultimately, we go out into the world every morning and we decide what our definition of success is. And then we define or design a plan or a strategy around that. Yeah. I'm so glad that you brought up... um other people's unreasonable expectations um, because that's that's such a part of it you know when when we look at the work that I do in my own coaching practice um, 
I use different language to describe it, but it's really not far off the mark from what you do. So I do a lot of work with a colonized mind. And when I work with my clients, um, we look at the dominant structures, whatever they are, whether it's your job or your life or your relationship or your family of origin, and get into those unreasonable expectations. Are they constructed? Um, are they real? Do they hold power over me in such a way that I cannot move through the world if I don't meet them? Um, and as I was listening to you, one of the things that was really coming up for me is an article I use often. It's Barbara Fredrickson, 2006, uh, her essay on objectification theory. And one of the reasons why women and girls are often at an economic disadvantage in life is because from ages 7 to 11, women are conditioned to observe their bodies while existing in their bodies. And they begin to scan their environment for two things. The first one is appraisal. Am I looking around and I am pleasing to people? So when you were talking about covering your hair, am I pleasing to people? And the second piece is threat. Am I under threat of uh, violence of some sort? And violence comes in so many different forms as it's enacted in different environments, whether it's work or school or home or on the street. Um, and those two pieces interrupt our ability as female-bodied people to engage in flow states. And flow states are what's required to genuinely grow from an intellectual perspective. Um, this work is sacred. Um, thank you for doing it. <laughs> No, thank you. It's it's one of those things that I am happy that I have come out on the other side to be able to talk about it. How did you get good as a coach? How did you get better at coaching? You mean I wasn't just automatically good? I, oh, I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to come out on the other side of that, gosh, to get good at coaching, it really was just practice, 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 mm. and practice some more. And, and not practicing on people who you know or know you is the biggest thing. Yeah. When I talk to uh, coaches who are new in their careers, one of the, the pieces of advice that I give is don't coach anyone with whom you're not willing to lose the relationship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So... Go and the use. tools. Also, don't get mired down in tools. Say more about that. <laughs> I, I've noticed a lot of new coaches saying, okay, but I need more. I need more tools. I need more tools. And it just makes me think of my, my parents' garage. And in it, I have to share that there are a lot of tools. Now, let me tell you something about this. My father was not really a handy guy. Sorry, Dan. <laughs> but not a super handy guy, you know, good enough with a hammer and, you know, a Phillips head, but no need for the um, like mini table saw and um, like the shelves and shelves and shelves of tools that never really got used more than once or twice. Mm. So I say this to say, same goes in coaching, okay? 
don't be my dad and have all of these tools and all of these pins on Pinterest only to realize that you haven't invested enough time practicing your craft of coaching itself and, and relying heavily on tools to somehow prove that, prove that, that excellence in coaching, which is going to, to really just be proof beyond purpose. Because if you're not an awesome coach and asking awesome questions, the tools won't matter as much. It's so true. It's so true. You know, um, you know, in my own practice, I roll with a couple of different articles, deep listening and good questions. And that's truly all you need to be supremely um, functional in your craft. So yeah. the other stuff is great. It's just not, it's not a requirement. So I just don't, I, I get so sad when I see coaches focusing so much attention on it. Well, that's similar to, you know, um, wigs are covering tattoos of which I, mm-hmm. I am covered in tattoos, everyone. So I'm, I'm right there with you. Ditto. Um, so, you know, that it's similar The the tools become, um, kind of a trope or a shield. You know, if I have, if I have one more X, if I use a certain system, if I have all of these great worksheets, then I will signal to the outside world that I am the real deal. Um, and it, it's, it's the same conversation that we're having. The real deal is within and, and we're looking to peel off the layers of that onion to get to the juice. So as, as folks are listening to us, I imagine um, that there's a lot of people, coaches who are saying, yeah, I, I want to have a purpose-driven practice just like Danielle or um, people who are stuck in their own um, prisons of inauthenticity saying, yes, you know, I, I need to bust out in order to save my own life. Who are you looking to work with right now? So if we were to say, all right, listeners, if you if this is you, call Danielle. Um, who who's in your sweet spot right now? Oh, I love that because it's actually kind of ironic too, the sweet spot. Um, I would say that I am working with people who are generally disempowered, feeling disempowered, disenfranchised, or disengaged in some way, but yet have this burning passion and desire to do something different, do something more or do something greater than what they've been doing. Yes. And thank you for setting up that juxtaposition. So if you're listening and you're like, oh my God, that's me. I just want to normalize that when you're stuck inside of a system or something that's not serving you, it's normal to feel that disenfranchisement. And that passion is your signal that it's time to get the fuck out. Um, absolutely so, build the escape. I, t- I yes. tell people, I'm like, okay, sounds like you need the escape. Mm, yes. So where, where can folks find you? We're going to have all of this information in our show notes, but let's let people know. Absolutely. So you said about the sweet spot and yes, that's part of the name of my business, which is queen sweet coach, but it is spelled S U I T E. And I can be found on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn at queen sweet coach as well. And if you're looking for me on LinkedIn, you can look for me personally as Danielle and Adams Wiltshire. And I can also be found at Danielle and Adams on LinkedIn. 
Awesome. And of course, you can find Danielle inside of our Lumia classrooms, sharing um, this and so many other beautiful stories with our students and coaches in training. Danielle, thank you so much for your time, uh, for the depth of this conversation, and for putting this work out into the world. Um, I'm so grateful. Thank you. I appreciate it. Absolutely. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Everything Life Coaching. If you're feeling the draw to become a coach, head to lumiacoaching.com slash everything. Explore a new career that brings fulfillment, gives you a true sense of purpose, and a bold community to do it with. Lumia is ready to equip you with the tools, training, and community you will need to reach your goals. If you're ready to build a unique coaching business on your own terms while making an impact on the world at large, Lumia is the next bold step in your coaching journey. That's lumiacoaching.com slash everything. And hey, if you're waiting for a sign, this is it.